Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Kate Faulkner. Hello, hope you're okay. Thank you for downloading today's podcast on Wednesday, January 31st. Our top story today, it's been revealed dozens of people are set to lose their jobs at the University of Kent. Kent Online has been told lecturers and other staff at campuses in Medway and Canterbury will be affected due to financial issues. A consultation is underway and the first will leave in July. It's taken many people who work and study at the university by surprise. These students are at the Medway campus. I think it's a sad thing. Um, obviously with like the cost of living and everything it has made situations a bit difficult um, but from a personal perspective it's a bit of a shame that people are losing their jobs. Uh, it's my third year here and obviously it being sold off like it might be weird to say but there's been a lot of memories here obviously studying overnight and doing work and everything but yeah it'll be sad to see it go if I'm after leaving uni as well which is a shame. I haven't had anything like absolutely nothing um, which is why it's probably a shock to me and a lot of other people. Um, also probably a shock to the people that will be losing their jobs as well. So maybe if there was a bit of, um, I don't know, pre-warning for this happening, people might have been a bit more prepared for it. But July is in a couple of months now and it's a bit of a shame. Oh, that's really sad to hear that. But then I have no any information related to that. I have not heard about it. But yeah, that's sad news if that is happening. Oh, so you didn't, didn't even know this was happening? No, no, I don't even know about that. And and have you heard about these buildings here being sold off as well? Huh, no, no, no. I did not hear about that. I think Kent is doing really well. We have so many students here and every course is running very well and it has a good reputation. I am an international student from India and Kent has a very good reputation in my, in my country. So. Surprise us a lot. Yeah, it gives a literally when when we heard about this 40 40 members are losing this university of kent as a teaching as a staff literally surprises a lot so there's no inkling there's been any financial difficulties during your studies here no mm. we did not know any of that we didn't know and did you know that these buildings behind you the um the gillingham and rochester building are going to be sold off as well no we did not know that either that's we, i don't surprising. think so these are, these buildings are going to sold about why because University of Kent is a kind of brand and they kept their brand to be continuous for the future time as well. They need to protect these buildings and protect their staff as well for going ahead. I mean they are making a lot of money from the students here and there are a lot of students studying here so it came as a surprise. Two buildings in Medway will also be transferred to the University of Greenwich, which has a base there. Taking a look at another of our top stories now, and from today, you no longer need a GP appointment to get treatment for things like a sore throat or earache. Pharmacies across Kent are taking part in a new scheme to try and ease pressure on GPs. Amish Patel from Hodgson Pharmacy in Longfield has been telling us how it'll work. Patients can come directly to a pharmacy or be referred to a pharmacy by a GP or 111, and the pharmacist can hold a consultation with the patient see if they're eligible and treat the patient directly with things like antibiotics. So it's a great service because it's freeing up GP time where previously antibiotics, for example, were only available from a GP. Yeah, and of course, this is all about trying to reduce those waiting times for a, for a GP appointment. Um, do you think that, that this is a, a good thing to, to bring in? Yeah, it's definitely a good start. I mean, pharmacists have a lot of clinical knowledge and I think in community pharmacy, unfortunately, that clinical knowledge doesn't get put to its best use. So it is definitely going to be a big help on the NHS. Already we get referrals for very common conditions. 
uh, from 111 and, and things like that, and even from GPs. And looking at those conditions, I think these seven that they've started with will reduce a huge amount of workload, especially with the fact that patients can come directly to the pharmacy instead of needing to be waiting to be referred by the GP. Why do you think this hasn't been introduced before? Why have people had to go through the GP appointment system before they can get this treatment in the past? I guess the pharmacy contract is ever evolving. Um, we've seen a big shift in GP demand, I guess. I, I mean, GP has always been in demand. There's no doubt about it. But I think in this post-COVID world, that their, their demand has certainly exponentially increased, as has the demand for pharmacists. Um, equally, workload pressures on pharmacy and GPs has changed significantly over the years. Uh, there's fewer and fewer GPs. There's fewer and fewer community pharmacies. We've seen the lowest level of pharmacies in a decade right now. So I guess it's now rebalancing. How can we relieve the pressure across the whole of primary care uh, and work together, as well as then also you know, tackling the patient demands and reducing patient waiting times? Are you concerned at all that this new pharmacy first service will put more pressure on pharmacists? I mean, could it end up in a situation where people are, you know, queuing for a long time in the pharmacy to, to be seen for these conditions? I definitely think there's going to be pressure put on the pharmacies. Like I said, pharmacies are seeing the lowest number of pharmacies in a decade. And we're already at working at a, a large capacity um, or full capacity, should I say. So... Yes, there's definitely going to be pressure, but hopefully there won't be queues out the door. I guess the fact that they've only introduced seven conditions is a nice way to see how this progresses, to see how well community pharmacists do cope, to see what pressure it does relieve of GPs, and then go from there. And just finally, do you think this is a long-term solution for, for the long waiting times, or do you think more needs to be done to address that? that that's a big, big question. I think there needs to be significantly more. You know, like I said, we are seeing GPs facing great demand as well as community pharmacies before the service is even taken off. I know that dental colleagues are feeling the pressure as well. There's long waiting times for optometrists and ophthalmologists and that kind of thing. So there is definitely a big issue within the NHS and primary care that needs looking at. But this is definitely a first step. I think it needs to be evolved thereafter. It is putting to better use community pharmacists and their time and their knowledge. Um, but what now needs to also follow is the funding that goes with it. And I think that's going to be the breaking point for a lot of the pharmacies. If there's no appropriate funding, we can't then employ additional staff to then manage that increased workload. So if the funding's there, then we can get more staff in and then we can manage the workload as well. Um, so it just needs a bit more joined up uh, approach with the the whole thing, I think, and then hopefully that would come with time. The NHS reckons it'll help save 10 million GP appointments a year. Kent Online News. The retrial of a man accused of manslaughter following the deaths of four asylum seekers in the Channel has started in Canterbury. Ibrahim Abar, who's 18 and believed to be from Senegal, is accused of piloting an unseaworthy inflatable boat which got into trouble in 2022. He denies all charges. The court has heard how the vessel should have had no more than 20 people on board but was holding at least 43 that night. It comes as the Home Secretary's praised France's commitment to stopping asylum seekers crossing the Channel. James Cleverley's been meeting his 
Chinese counterpart in Paris following a 36% drop in the number of small boats reaching the UK last year. Both countries have also agreed to get air surveillance equipment up faster as they continue to work together to tackle the issue. The body of a man has been found inside a house in Ramsgate after fears for his welfare were raised with police. Officers were at the property in Beresford Road just before 6am yesterday. He was pronounced dead at the scene. The circumstances surrounding his death are still unclear. A suspected burglar has appeared in court accused of multiple break-ins across the county. As well as properties in Whitstable and Minster, Darren Rogers is charged with breaking into a fire station in Sheerness and stealing a bank card. The 45-year-old who lives in Cavill Way in Sittingbourne was remanded in custody ahead of another court appearance next month. An Ashford man has been sent to prison after an investigation into County Line's drug dealing. The 26-year-old was found with 50 wraps of Class A drugs, including cocaine and heroin, when he was stopped by officers in New Street last October. Officers later found cannabis and cash in his car. He's been sentenced to three years. A court has heard how a man punched a police dog in the face multiple times while trying to get away from officers near Seven Oaks. Salamat Kortochi ran off after his car was stopped in Borough Green earlier this month. The 31-year-old from Purley Way in Croydon also injured a police officer while being arrested. He'll be sentenced in February. Kent Online News. Post-Brexit controls on food, plants and animal imports from the EU come into force today. Meat and dairy, fruit and veg and cut flowers will require specific health certificates. The cost of British businesses could be hundreds of millions of pounds a year, pushing up prices. The port of Dover and Eurotunnel are not expecting any disruption. A carer from Canterbury who was sent to prison for stealing from dementia sufferers has been released after appealing her sentence. Sita Tamang admitted targeting her vulnerable victims while working the night shift at Highland House Care Home. The 33-year-old who lives in Buffs Road had her two-year jail term overturned. She now has a 10-month suspended sentence. The Kent Online podcast has been told about some of the abuse and intimidation being faced by councillors in Medway. The local government association have got a campaign at the moment about the publishing of councillors' home addresses. Uh, MPs don't have to have their uh, home address published and have had that exemption for quite a few years. Councillors, however, do. You can get exemptions for the publishing of your home address, but you have to. It's it's done on a case by case basis by each monitoring officer. That's the kind of le- the head legal officer in every local authority, and you have to present evidence as to why you think it should be redacted effectively or not published. Should I say? So, for example, if you had been somebody who had been subject to a death threat, you would have to present evidence that you've been subject to the death threat. Crushed up glass put in envelopes, put through their door, and they're not somebody who lives on their own. They've got children, they've got a partner, uh, somebody who's had their car tampered with, which obviously, you know, could have serious consequences that if they get in that car and are driving on, on you know, on a road where other people are, pedestrians are, etc. you know, it's not just about that person that you, you've decided to tamper with their car. You know, these things have consequences. Uh, and, you know, several other examples of sort of harassment, uh, aggression from from sort of minor stuff to you know obviously quite serious stuff of which those two are two examples. Before you became a councillor, Gareth, did it even cross your mind that it may be an issue having your address made public, and were you in the least bit concerned that everyone would know where you live? Yes, I did, and there are reasons for that which I'm not going to go into. But also, my day job is I work for a member of parliament, so. 
I am acutely, and, I've, and, I've, and also I'm actually a trade union rep for people who work for members of parliament who are from all, all parties and none. So I'm acutely aware of the threats, the aggression that kind of an MP's office, for example, get on a daily basis. And that's not just aimed at, the, at MPs, that's also aimed at their staff as well. And of course, you know, you've got, in recent living memory, you've got Joe Cox, you've got David Amos, but going not too far back, uh, was a guy called Nigel Jones, who was MP in the sort of Bristol Bath area, and who was a Liberal Democrat, and he had a guy turn up at his surgery with a samurai sword who attacked him and killed his member of staff. You know, I've been perfectly aware from talking to other councillors, both in Medway and you know, in in other in other parts of the country, that you know, they are people who've experienced this. Do you think it should be the case then that addresses are kept private now? Have we unfortunately got to the situation where we need to keep all this detail very confidential? Part of the reason that the addresses are published are from the point of view of transparency, and you know, I've got no problem with transparency at all. You know, I think that's a very important thing as as you know, some taking part in public life, but certainly from the purposes. I think, of the threats that can be faced by people. And particularly, unfortunately, I think it's become prevalent. You know, the Nigel Jones case aside, more, more, the most recent issues where people have been attacked and, and, and indeed murdered, unfortunately, I think social media plays a part in that. And, I mean, social media can be a great thing. You know, I'm, I'm on it. You know, I've used it for years. But I think there is an element of... If you have to go to a counsellor's advice surgery or you write to a counsellor in an email or a letter or even ring them up, that's more a kind of direct uh, conversation between the two of you. Social media often, you know, it's people using anonymous accounts and things like that. As a result, people, I think, feel that they can say things on social media that they wouldn't necessarily say face-to-face or even in something like a letter or an email or on the phone. And often with social media as well, because it's not really the case with an email or a letter or a phone call or attending a council surgery, you're egged on by other people. So I think there's an element of that that kind of leads to more aggression that maybe has made the case for this. That's Gareth Mighton, who represents the Fort Pitt Ward for Labour and says in recent years the problems got worse. He's spoken out as the local government association looks at whether it should be easier for councillors to keep their addresses private. They're also asking Westminster to consider making money available for security at ward surgeries. There are concerns for the welfare of a man who's gone missing from Chatham. 71-year-old Peter Bruce was last seen in the area on Monday morning. We've shared his picture at Kent Online. In happier news, a 14-year-old boy who went missing from Chatham two weeks ago has been found safe and well. Kwame Bennett disappeared from the Luton area. Police have thanked everyone who helped with the appeal. Kent Online News. Families on the Kent coast have been left living in hotels after a fire at a new built block of flats. An investigation by firefighters has found the blaze at the property in Drivers Close in Hearn Bay was started by a light fitting. It happened just before Christmas and repairs to the communal stairwell could take three months. Barbara Motsissi's 15-year-old daughter raised the alarm. I heard her calling, Mum, 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 and um, I thought maybe she was scared of dogs as um, she's always scared of dogs. And when I opened the door, I saw a massive fire. I didn't wait and I just tried to run down. The fire was coming to the right-hand side of the stairs. 
and uh, tried to knock it, um, bang the thing when I was going down to my neighbor. And the fire alarm was starting to ring, you know, all over the place. And I fell on the stairs because I can't run as I have a problem with my leg. Uh, my daughter, she was knocking to other people's um, doors to let them know there's a fire. You know, because um, some people, when they hear fire alarm, I think, or oh, maybe start someone cooking. When I came out of the building, when I saw that fire all over the place, I was terrified. Um, I was shaking, thinking if this fire have happened at night, it means uh, we are going to be trapped inside. Uh, maybe um die you know inhale the smoke Medway bosses have announced the A228 Frinsby Hill will be closed for three months. It's so crews can build the entrance to the new Maritime Academy School. It'll be shut from March the 11th until June the 21st in the strewed bowed direction from the San Parai roundabout. Campaigners are calling for a road in Maidstone to be reopened following an apparent increase in crashes. The end of Cranbourne Avenue was closed as a temporary experiment back in 2002, but it's since become permanent. Residents say it's making the junction between Loose Road and Plains Avenue more dangerous. A meeting's been arranged with the town's MP to discuss their concerns. Council bosses say accident records do not support their claims. Residents of a village near Deal say plans to build 23 new homes in a horse field are outrageous. Proposals are being prepared for council that would see the development built off St Edmunds Road in Great Monaghan but locals say the area is already overdeveloped and more houses would cause traffic and parking problems. A public consultation was held on the scheme last week. These residents were there to voice their objections. Very disappointed um, in what they're proposing, uh, especially uh, the access route for the proposal. Looking at the actual uh, access point, it's just far too narrow. It's very, very busy traffic as it is, and proposed works traffic um, just going to be absolutely inadequate access. I've got a little car, my husband's got a little work van, it's only tiny. Some nights we struggle even to get round into the corner of where, sort of where we live because when there's cars parked either side, it makes it extremely difficult to get through. Ambulances, you know, things like um, fire engines, stuff like that, they're going to really struggle to get down there, even with how the traffic is like now, let alone if it's going to be made where this is meant to be the main access of the road. There's no way you're going to get things like that down there. That was a fairground, a medieval fairground. So it has got a lot of history there. People have found old traders tokens and things like that in that field. So there is that's part of the you know the village's history there. And it's a shame to lose even more of what you know what we've got left of the, the history because it's, it's just getting bulldozed every day. Well, what used to be a village is no longer a village. It's just surrounded by at least on average now, I would say, possibly 70, 80 houses. In a small village, an original beautiful old village in Kent, it's been eroded. A spokesperson for Clegg Architects, the company behind the proposal, says it would not have a severe impact on the local highway network. What we've got is um, quite a, a low density scheme. Um, obviously, a site that size could actually take a lot more units, but we've kept it quite low density. Uh, we're providing plenty of car parking on site um, for, for all the units. Um, and there are discussions about whether we can help alleviate some of the traffic issues from uh, St Edmunds within our site perhaps by providing visitors parking or something similar um, to sort of relieve 
relieve the, the on-street parking issues that they have at the moment. Officers in Medway have refused to take a pay rise after an independent review. Councillors have rejected a recommendation. They receive more money in allowances and for chairing committees. The administration said it wouldn't be right at a time when the authority and its residents are facing financial pressures. Data breaches have been reported at Canterbury, Dover and Thanet councils in targeted cyber attacks. The authorities say some online services have seen continued disruption since the attacks earlier this month. There's no evidence any personal information has been compromised. They're working with cyber security experts to investigate. Hundreds of people have turned up to a public meeting to discuss concerns about a new road layout in Hearn Bay. Part of the seafront's been cordoned off to create a one-way system and a plaza for outdoor events. The previous meeting had to be postponed because so many people wanted to have their say. Chris Cornell from the Canterbury City Council spoke at the meeting last night. We need another plaza? No. We've got a public square uh, by the swim baths and a public square by the uh, clock tower, both of which are essentially not used. Yeah. We've got the space along the seafront, which we're actually going to start trying to make into some type of market, which is a great idea, but a piece of public space doesn't revive your economy. Right? It only revives your economy if they can go on. Right? So, um, we came into power in uh, the summer and I kind of inherited this project. It's a bit like a kind of unwanted Christmas present, so to, uh, so to speak. Um, and I think essentially the problem we have here is that there's a bit of messed up community, right? I think that most of us agree that we should find a way to encourage people to cycle. Most of us don't mind slower speed limits if they keep people safe. But the problem we have is essentially you could have done all of that and the cycling route could have ended at Memorial Park. You didn't need to take it all the way to the seafront. And if you did have a problem, which essentially was kind of boy races going up and down the seafront, you could have put bumps in the road. Council bosses have now set up a working group to go through the issues raised. Athanet Plasterer says he's keeping his company's name just as it is, despite facing backlash. Some people have taken offence to Skimmel Fix It, saying it's insensitive to those affected by Jimmy Savile's criminal activity. The Ramsgate business owner says everyone is entitled to their opinion, but insists it's just a bit of banter. Kent Online Sports. Football now and Maidstone United have continued their good form after Saturday's historic victory in the FA Cup. They beat Punjab United on penalties last night to make it into the semi-finals of the Kent Senior Cup. Dartford are also through after beating Seven Oaks Town. That's all from us today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, X, Instagram, TikTok and Threads. You can also get the details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. To sign up, just head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.